The following episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel Bernie or Bust Television. Good morning, USA, and welcome to another episode of the Bernie or Bust Show. Today's show attempts to show you what we're up against and what we might be able to do about it. But I'll warn you in advance, it feels sort of like fighting a gelatinous marshmallow blob. And it doesn't seem to take punches very easily. That's why our hands are all sticky after the Iowa caucuses. Whatever anyone tries to tell you, Joe Biden flopped in the Iowa caucuses, but he got a reprieve with this app-gate problem. If you're the type of person who thinks the Democratic Party is a creaking, incompetent entity whose leadership needs overthrowing, the Iowa caucuses certainly validated your point of view. None of us knew who would win, but we had at least expected a result. We didn't get one, at least not on caucus night. State Democratic Party officials announced that due to quality control issues, release of the result would be indefinitely delayed. On a conference call with representatives of the candidates, party officials hung up the phone when asked when the totals would be released. So what do we know? Well, one thing we can say confidently is that frontrunner Joe Biden flopped. There were places where Biden didn't even meet the 15% threshold needed to maintain viability from the first round to the second round. At one caucus site, the Attorney General of Iowa had to switch from Biden to Buttigieg when Biden was disqualified. It explains why Biden's surrogate John Kerry was heard on the phone the other day asking whether it would be possible for him to enter the race at the last minute to save the Democratic Party from being conquered by Sanders. Internal numbers released by the Sanders campaign showing results from 40% of caucus sites showed Sanders winning with approximately 30% of the vote. Pete Buttigieg coming in second with 25%, Elizabeth Warren third with 21%, and Joe Biden a very distant fourth, almost back with Amy Klobuchar with 12%. If those numbers matched the ultimate totals, they are great for Sanders and absolutely horrific for Biden. Sanders will have kicked the crap out of the frontrunner, Barack Obama's former vice president and the man most favored to win the nomination. It would be a stunning upset. But Biden caught a lucky break. A lucky break. With the party not releasing the actual result, his campaign sent a letter demanding that the result be suppressed until such time as the quality control issues were resolved. I wish they had quality control issues for his campaign. If it takes long enough to get the official count, Biden may hope that Iowa is old news or that the issues surrounding the caucus are discussed far more than the actual result. That's one reason we need to make sure we don't get bogged down too much in talking about the procedural issues rather than the actual outcome. So what went wrong? It's still not quite clear, though there were reports that a special app used to transmit vote totals had malfunctioned. Questions were immediately raised about who built the app and how it had been deployed. Ironically, it was introduced in order to get results out to the public quicker and had been hastily put together over the last two months. There had been security concerns from the start, and when NPR questioned the state party chairman, he declined to provide more details about which company or companies designed the app or about what specific measures have been put in place to guarantee the system's security. Ironically, it was apparently developed by a firm literally called Shadow, partly funded by the Pete Buttigieg campaign. Hmm, what could possibly go wrong? If you're a Sanders supporter, you have reason to be suspicious. 
We had already seen the Des Moines Register suppress the results of its gold standard poll on the eve of the election after a complaint from Buttigieg. Sounds like they're in the bag for Buttigieg. And with 0% of caucus results in, Buttigieg declared himself victorious, praising the incredible result and saying Iowa had shocked the nation. The only thing that had shocked the nation at this point was Iowa's total inability to perform the relatively simple task of counting people's votes. But Buttigieg, good McKinseyite that he is, was getting a head start on deploying the PR spin. For Sanders supporters, being denied a rightful victory in Iowa gives feelings of deja vu. In 2016, Sanders may well have won Iowa, possibly by a lot, but the state party did not release the vote totals. Instead, it only released delegate numbers, which showed Bernie narrowly losing the state 701 to 697 to Hillary Clinton. The delegate numbers are calculated strangely. This time around in one precinct, Sanders beat Buttigieg 111 to 47 in the first alignment, but both ended up with two delegates. If the vote totals had been known in 2016, it might have been clear Bernie had won. With his New Hampshire victory shortly after, Clinton would have been seen as losing the race and the whole election might have turned out differently. That's why this time around, the Sanders campaign ensured that the vote totals would be released and took account of its own for good measure. This time, if he wins, everyone will know eventually. After Iowa, why the establishment fears Sanders? The Democratic Party leadership may not be afraid that Bernie will lose. They may be afraid that he will win. Yes. Think? That fear has very little to do with the idea that his agenda will cost them and their allies and donors money, that he will raise taxes on the rich and take on the private healthcare and big pharma industries or Bank of America and Goldman Sachs. No matter what Sanders does, Kerry and Clinton and the folks they work with will be comfortably rich the rest of their lives. No, it's something entirely different. These folks have been holding tremendous political power by running the Democratic Party for decades, and if Sanders wins... That will end. Sanders has spent his political career as an independent, but if he wins the Democratic primaries, he's the Democratic candidate for president. And if he wins the White House, he will be the de facto head of the Democratic Party in the United States. And he will probably clean house. If Sanders wins the presidency, the Democratic National Committee, which worked to sabotage his campaign against Hillary Clinton, will look nothing like it does today. Sanders' allies will move to take power in state parties and local parties all over the country. The Clinton-era folks will be gone. They won't be unemployed or in any financial distress. These are, by and large, people with substantial resources but they will lose their grip on political power, and that terrifies them. Let's take another look at what the Iowa results show and what we might expect from the rest of the primary season. For starters, Joe Biden probably won't last past Super Tuesday if he even makes it that far, but there are at least three candidates, five if we count Mike Bloomberg and Tom Steyer, who have the money and the organization to make it deep into the primaries, possibly all the way to the end. Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Pete Buttigieg all made credible showings in Iowa, early returns suggest, enough for each of them to make the case that they are viable to donors. The difference between Buttigieg and Sanders is statistically minor and they will wind up with almost the same number of delegates, with Warren not far behind. Interestingly, if you combine the Warren and Sanders vote, that candidate would be the prohibitive favorite. 
Bloomberg has endless money of his own. If they are all still in the running after the primary season, it's highly unlikely any of them will have 50% plus one at the convention. Now that shows you why Elizabeth is in it, and it shows you why she will never, ever stop if there's a penny left in her campaign coffers left over from her Senate race funded by dark money. No, she's in it to, to last till the very end so that Bernie won't have a majority. Rest assured, you can put it in the bank. Elizabeth is not going to drop out anytime soon. There are no more winner-take-all states. Winning the Iowa caucuses or the New Hampshire primary puts a candidate a few points ahead of the others when it comes to assigning convention delegates. Unless the field is reduced to two finalists pretty soon, the numbers don't support anyone winning a first ballot nomination. That, of course, changes everything. After the first ballot, the delegates are released from their initial pledges and can vote for anyone, anyone they want. And the superdelegates, that's the party establishment, come into play. Typically, the actual selection of delegates for a candidate is pretty low-key. Four years ago, there were Sanders delegates and Clinton delegates from every congressional district in California, and they all went to the convention. But we knew what would happen. The Clinton delegates would vote for the winner, and the Sanders delegates would vote for the loser, and the convention would be a coronation. Just as it has been for most of our political lives. And for way before that, it's been that way for about 100 years from what I can tell. But what happens if the people elected as Sanders or Warren delegates are suddenly in the position to vote for a second choice? What if the Bernie or Bust folks suddenly get a role in choosing a nominee who is not Bernie? What if they can vote for Warren and make her the nominee? Again, it appears right now that if the people who voted for either Sanders or Warren could agree on one candidate, that person would be the nominee. What if the Warren supporters have to decide whether they will shift their votes to Sanders, which might put him over the top, or shift to a nominee who isn't even in the field right now? At a brokered convention, anyone can win, even someone who never entered a single primary. Hmm, that means Hillary Clinton. Oh, or John Kerry. Oh, anyone, anyone who's old enough. Mickey Mouse, he's plenty old. At that point, it really matters who the delegates are and what kind of political judgment they have. Something to think about. Indeed, this article gives us a lot to think about. I like the fact that they mentioned Bernie or Bust because when you're looking at uniting behind one candidate, party unity, my ass, describes Bernie or Busters. They're not going to vote for Elizabeth, and she wouldn't win anyway. So what we have is you either unite behind Bernie or you get Biden or Buttigieg, or Bloomberg, or whoever the fuck, but you're not going to get anybody who's going to be Donald Trump. There will be a quiz after this article, Cry Bullies, by Stan Goff, because Stan hasn't labeled any of the photos, so please put your answers in the comments section below. I love these pictures. We all knew mean kids. They weren't just mean when they had an advantage. They were liars. They weren't just liars. They were projectors calling out others for the very infractions of which they themselves were guilty. Ah, we got a bunch of sociopaths here. They'd pinch or punch or pull hair, then deny, 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 followed by counter accusations to muddy the water. Every so often, they'd bully the wrong person who'd stand his or her ground, perhaps even give the bully a taste of the same medicine. 
Then there was wailing and gnashing of teeth, high drama on the stage of profound victimhood. Their tactics are unprincipled, the well of their deceit bottomless. Deliver the sly punch when adult eyes are averted, then scream bloody murder if you hit back. X hit me, but why hit me first? Then the denial nested in legalisms. This is the nexus between big business, Wall Street Democrats, and the media monopolies, better known as the ruling class, as they attempt to paint the movement they are trying to smother as the real bullies, because that movement is growing up and it hits back from time to time. I have bad news for them. This will not get better, because they grow weaker with every passing day, and we grow stronger. Here's a little more clarity from Caitlin Johnstone, Syria, War, and Elizabeth Warren. More notes from the edge of the narrative matrix. I'm skipping ahead to this highlighted paragraph. In case you're unsure of the difference between America's two major political parties, one party coddles the wealthy, strips social programs, starts wars, kills the environment, and drags the world into Orwellian dystopia, whereas the other party does all of these things also. Of all the pants-on-head idiotic things that Clintonites say about Jill Stein, perhaps the very stupidest is their belief that Stein voters would have voted for Hillary if there hadn't been a Green Party candidate. It reveals so much ignorance about left of mainstream voters. I do hope that Sanders supporters aren't suffering from the delusion that the extremely aggressive Russia smears Tulsi Gabbard is currently being targeted with aren't going to eventually shift to Bernie. Both Gabbard's haters and her supporters treat her foreign policy like it's something wildly extraordinary, but it's basically just the mainstream U.S. foreign policy consensus that would have been considered normal in America before 9-1-1, which shows how far the Overton window has been moved since then. 1986. Elizabeth Warren secures an advantage by switching her identity to Cherokee. 1996. Elizabeth Warren secures an advantage by switching her identity to Democrat. 2019, Elizabeth Warren secures an advantage by switching her identity to Bernie Sanders. Fun fact, after the U.S. establishment subverts democracy to install Warren, the Western Empire will have two unelected rulers named Elizabeth. <laughs> the people who think Warren would make a good president are the same people who think Obama made a good president. The people who think Obama made a good president are the same people who are now beginning to say that Bush was a good president. The article goes on, but I just wanted to put that part in about Elizabeth Warren. We can't stop U.S. imperialism for sure, and we can't get health care. We can't do all the things, education, that Bernie wants to do. We can't have a green new deal or even a planet that's fit to inhabit without uniting behind one or the other of them. And it sure as hell is not going to be Elizabeth because everything will stay the same. No, we have to unite behind Bernie now. Before New Hampshire, God damn it! Let's figure this out. Even more clarity from Kate Johnstone. Resistance hero John Bolton notes from the edge of the narrative matrix. Liberals should definitely get their hopes up very, very high that John Bolton is going to provide the information needed to bring down the Trump administration and restore order to the universe. Definitely put all your eggs in that basket and invest all of your emotions in it. Friendly reminder that you aren't actually required to care about the impeachment show or have any opinions about it whatsoever. 
The difference between the totalitarianism of dictatorships and the inverted totalitarianism of free societies is that in totalitarianism, they allow one ideology which supports the status quo, while inverted totalitarianism allows two ideologies which support the status quo. Mike Pompeo lies so reliably and so significantly that in a very real way you would gain a more accurate picture of reality by believing the exact opposite of all his public statements than you would by believing them. The establishment which runs the empire is not afraid of Trump and it is not afraid of Bernie. It's afraid of you! They can handle one man in the White House who is less than ideal. What they absolutely cannot handle is ordinary people using their numbers to affect real change. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists has moved the doomsday clock to 100 seconds to midnight, largely due to senseless recent escalations between the US and Russia. But hey, nuclear Armageddon is a small price to pay if we get to retaliate for even a single one of those $46,000 worth of Russian Facebook memes. Fixing the world's problems and fixing your own inner dysfunction are inseparably unified objectives. It's okay to emphasize one more than the other at different stages in your life, but valuing one without valuing the other is a contradictory, intellectually dishonest position. That was good. Some people who learn a bit about what's really going on in the world start believing society's problems are being driven by otherworldly forces like reptilians or Satanism because it's more comfortable than grappling with the reality that our ills are very, very, very human. Reading the New York Times to learn about what's happening in the world is like reading Calvin and Hobbes to learn about tigers. Step one, launch vicious smear against Sanders. Step two, shout. Don't fight. We need to stick together. Do you want Trump to win? At anyone who objects. Step three. Repeat steps one to three until Sanders is neutralized. The 2016 Democratic presidential primary was rigged. It was useful not because it offered any real opportunity to elect a good candidate, but because trying to do so and watching what happened woke people up to establishment corruption. The same will be true of the 2020 primary. If you don't push against the will of the establishment manipulators, you'll never force them to expose themselves. Let them install Biden, Warren, Buttigieg without opposition, and they won't be forced to sabotage democracy. Force them to provide proof of their own corruption. This is not to say Americans shouldn't try to nominate a true progressive candidate. It's to say that they should. Try very, very hard to nominate your favorite candidate. Try your very hardest and then watch what happens. Watch what they do to you and never, ever forget. If you're a grown adult making an angsty public spectacle about receiving angry online comments from supporters of a politician you just smeared, you should feel ashamed of yourself. If you're a professional news reporter doing the same, you should immediately change careers. Hillary Clinton has become another David Duke. In the same way being endorsed by Duke gets a progressive politician canceled, being attacked by Hillary gives them a boost. Biden debating Trump would look like a geriatric squirrel with glaucoma fighting a rabid wolverine. Every single day I get extreme vitriol directed at me for expressing skepticism of the official narrative of the day. This vitriol never causes me the slightest flicker of self-doubt because I distinctly remember seeing the exact same vitriol in the lead up to the Iraq invasion. The existence of some opposition to the Iranian government within Iran doesn't legitimize attempts to foment civil war there. 
There were grassroots elements to U.S.-sponsored uprising in Libya, Syria, and Ukraine too, but they wouldn't have occurred without Western interventionism. Don't babble about the need to support anti-government protesters in unabsorbed nations. Support is too conveniently vague. Specify what you want them to receive. Weapons? Money? Retweets? Thoughts and prayers? At the very least, be forthright and honest about what it is you're advocating. Trump doesn't want war. He's just using sanctions and CIA ops to encourage the Iranian people to rise up and oust the regime. Yeah, that's civil war. That's the thing civil war is. Well, okay, but the people doing it will look different from me, so it doesn't count. Trump supporters are George W. Bush supporters, LARPing as Ron Paul supporters. The many have been propagandized into supporting the interests of the few, but it's worse than that. The many have also been propagandized into believing that those few among them who advocate for the interests of the many are the real enemy. This whole dynamic must reverse. So for a start, let's stop pretending that Elizabeth Warren is going to do anything to solve our real-world problems. This must continue to be a class war, as Kate suggests, and we must roll up our sleeves and participate in unobfuscating what the opposition is telling us in the media. Stan Goff is another good unobfuscator, so I suggest reading Stan on the regular as well as Kate on the regular, and then you'll have a lot better idea about what's really going on in the world. Also, don't forget to watch and to share the Bernie or Bust show. Get on board the Bernie or Bust train. Come get on board the Bernie or Bust train. Once you hear that clickety clack, there ain't no time for turning back. Get on board the Bernie or Bust train. The preceding episode can be viewed on the YouTube channel. Bernie or Bust Television.